Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. 39 and single. Can someone help me out? He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay, straight, black, white. Tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. Hello, my people. I hope you're doing well. It is a crazy, crazy, crazy time. And as with last week, I'm not going to talk too much about it because we all hear so much about it all the time anyway, and I don't want to add to that. But I will give you a little update, though, just because I think it could be helpful. So last Wednesday, it was raining, and I never made it out of my house or my little Airbnb. Instead, I sat hunched over my computer and worked and absorbed scary news, and I read scary alerts. And when nighttime came, I started to convince myself that I had this virus, and I got myself all worked up, and I started having big-time, big-time, big-time anxiety. I almost had a panic attack, but narrowly escaped its clutches. So, the next day, I did some things to take better care of myself. Most importantly, I went out for an hour and a half walk. I got fresh air and vitamin D, and I got my blood flowing. If you're having anxiety, like not the rational kind of anxiety that all of us are having right now, but the kind that makes you have hot flashes and shortness of breath and gives you diarrhea, I strongly suggest that you get up and go outside and move around. Some other things I did to take care of myself, I turned off Twitter and news notifications because they didn't do anything but make me nauseous. I also talked about my anxiety with my mom and on Instagram. I got it off my chest. You should always get it off your chest. It's not good for you to keep it in and you'll feel better once you've expressed it. So just talk about it. Another thing I did was, well, I'm... I'm in a few group text chains, and sometimes friends or family members in these chains will text a scary or alarmist article, and I don't want to stop the flow of information, but I can't handle the barrage, so I asked everyone to send their links using the invisible ink option on the iPhone. You know what I'm talking about. You press the arrow, and then you get the you get the filters. You, can, uh, you, you, you look it up. Look it up. Invisible ink, iPhone. Anyway, it makes the text blurry so that when, when it comes through, you can only read it if you put your finger on it. So if I don't want to read a headline, I don't have to read the headline. Everybody was very understanding, and now I'm seeing way less upsetting news. Don't get me wrong, I'm still staying informed. I'm just a little bit more in control of the flow now. That's about it for the self-care, aside from trying to keep a consistent schedule and routine and eat right and stay hydrated, but I do feel much better. Get outside. That's, That's all I'm saying. Just make sure you get some fresh air. Now, let me thank my latest Patreon subscribers, Chaz H. and Ashley W. And thank you so much to all of those of you who have raised your pledges. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, a couple weeks ago, I said that once we got to the goal of $850 a month, I'd get my mom on the Patreon to answer listener questions and to give advice. But since we're in such uncertain times, and since I'll be in my mom's presence starting in five days, we'll just do it now. So if you want to hear my mom answer any questions or dole out advice or read from her book or read children's stories, or even if you want my dad to sing you You Are My Sunshine, just sign up at the $5 level or more and post your question or message me your question and or your requests and I'll throw something together for you next week. Now, if you want to support the podcast but you hate subscriptions, Venmo is available to you and you can help keep this podcast alive just by Venmoing Molly hyphen hockey. What else? I'm still loving doing fertility consultations. I have a couple regular clients now and it is just so gratifying for me and I think very helpful for them too. So if you have stuff you want to talk about, 
I'm here for you. I'm truly here to listen. You can email me at spermcast at gmail.com to set up a time. I do half hour and hour sessions and uh, yeah, and I'll send you my rates. And now I think we can move on to this interview. First, I want to say we did this over Skype and my internet connection at this Airbnb is not very good. No offense to my Airbnb hosts. They're wonderful. But anyway, please excuse any breaks in the Skype call. We'll be better off next week when I'm back at the farm. Oh, it's going to be so nice. Oh, and the other thing about the Airbnb is that heater noise. It's still really, really loud, and I have no idea how to regulate it. So if you hear that, if you've got nice speakers, you know, like I said, next week will be better. Okay, now let's really get to this interview. Her name is Molly, great name, Erdman. I've known Molly for years. She's an incredible improviser and actor. She's all over your TV all the time. She does an impeccable Elizabeth Warren impersonation that you have to check out. I'll I'll put links in my show notes. Uh, she's got the cutest little daughter, Valerie. And Valerie and Molly and Molly's husband, Joe, do a little show called Val's Animal Pals. It's on YouTube. And it's just about the only show I want to watch these days because it's just so cute and innocent and peaceful. <sighs> anyway... Here's Molly, everyone. Hi, Val. I'm Molly. Oh, no, that's me uh, and Val. Val's there, too. But here's Molly. Yeah, this is my friend Molly. Do you know, you know the pictures of you when you were a teeny tiny baby? Uh, I forget them. Oh, when you were like a week old, Molly came over and took pictures of you. And you peed. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember yeah. that part. You did. You were you were unfazed by any of it. Thank you. You were a pro. I was I was much more nervous than you were. <laughs> <laughs> like that's fine. Thank no, you. yeah, they always do that. They always pee on the blanket. Oh sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Val. Hi, Joe. Hi. <laughs> You're about to head outside. Yeah. For yeah. Where are you guys day- going? Just for a walk? Yeah, we have for like sure. our building has a pretty big back parking area, so that's been our kind of daily <laughs> fun. Then we had some connection issues, so we hung up and uh, I called her back. Hi, Molly. Hi, Molly. <laughs> we talked about you coming on the podcast before, but I said I wanted to save all the pregnancy stuff for when I was pregnant. Well, Understandably. Because, yeah. you know, just to have some like thematic differentiation between seasons or whatever but you know what yeah who knows what's gonna happen (laughs) and also I know you're funny and fun and I'm not in the mood for um I don't want to talk about you know uh stats of this virus and all that shit and I mean if it comes up it comes up but it's like it really freaks me out right now so yeah uh, Agreed. I'm right. I'm with you. I'm also like exhausted from talking about that and hearing about exactly. it. So I'm, Ugh. It's too much. Yeah. yeah. But let yeah. me just check in. I do want to yeah. do a little check in with you. Okay. Yes. Now, there's part of me that's so jealous of all the moms and dads that get to stay home with their kids because uh, I'm completely yeah. alone. And I do have, oh, look who's here. <laughs> yeah. She's so cute. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm putting her hair back. Okay. There we good. go. This is very important. Uh, uh, this is one of the things that I'm dying to do, Molly, is yeah. just play with my kids' hair. Uh, I know. Gorgeous. Good? Gorgeous. Okay, have fun. <laughs> oh, great. Now um, you're frozen. Okay, you're currently oh. frozen, but in oh. a great position. Okay. I am. No, okay, done. that went on Are for quite a while, but then we finally got a good connection, and we moved on to this. Yeah, I've been, I, I've been oh. getting emotional and complaining about people talking about their kids. Most people aren't talking about it in a super negative way. They're like, they're just talking, I don't know, whatever, but. Oh yeah, I get it. But at the same time, you guys are going through something too. It's not like, (laughs) it's not easy for anybody. So I want to check it. You can tell me how you're feeling and how you're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I think my feeling right now is that everyone is allowed to feel how they're feeling. Because yeah. I feel like there's, I've seen a lot of people being like, you can't complain. You don't have to have to do this. Yeah. this or you can't complain. You have people that can complain. This isn't normal for anybody. Yeah. So it, I, I do feel grateful in many ways to have a kid here, to have my husband here and for us to be around each other. Are there times I wish no one was here? Very much. 
<laughs> I really need alone time. Yeah. So I, I will say this. I think having a kid right now sort of gives a direction to my stress and anxiety. I don't feel like it's about me so much. Uh, I feel like I feel guilty that she doesn't have anyone to play with. I'm like, oh, we should have thought of maybe giving her a sibling. <laughs> like if I'd known, uh, that would not have happened. But, but there is part of me that's like, oh God, I wish she had someone to play with. Oh, uh, you're and, breaking out. And just feeling uh -oh. kind of like. Okay, so we hang up. Don't worry, this doesn't happen the whole show. Just one more time at the end. <laughs> <sighs> hey. Hi. <laughs> So, Hi, okay, you're grateful. Going? I know you're grateful. You need your you need your time space alone. Yes. And I I'm feeling um most of my anxiety and and sort of disappointment and sadness has come from the fact that Valerie loves school and she's so sad that she's oh, not there man. and I feel sad for her. Yeah. And knowing that she most likely is not she's in kindergarten and that she most likely isn't going to finish the school year. That's wild. Is very it's very sad to me because to me, like kindergarten, like moving from kindergarten to first grade is kind of like a big milestone. And this is me projecting onto her because I'm a big person. Like last things and first things are very important to me. Oh, like, yeah. Those milestones. So that's that's sort of where my focus is right now, for better or for worse. It's just yeah. about that and worrying about my parents and, you know, the usual. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, but I'm happy that you're in New York. I think that's that's what I would want to do, too, is go where my parents are if I right, could. Right, right, right. So I'm lucky for that reason. I'm lucky that I don't have any dependents yep. that I can pick up and go. I'm lucky that the acting industry is shut down and, my, and there's nobody in my Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> These mean, are all blessings. It's They're all, all blessed. I'm blessed. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm really, I'm oh, really, boy. really glad that I'm here and I would, I'd be, I'd be freaking out if I was over there. And yeah, I know. And it's also got to be hard to be with your husband, <laughs> <laughs> knowing your husband. <laughs> I couldn't do it. You know, <laughs> uh, well, the great thing is, is that usually the two of us are home together almost yeah. all the time anyway. Oh, good. I'm just saying that part of it isn't as huge of a transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our daughter being around is a big adjustment but yeah. us being around each other and annoying each other is like oh this old hat we got this yeah no yeah, yeah 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 well molly you're the first molly i've had on yeah. the show oh very proud thank <laughs> you thank you <laughs> <laughs> well i know you had a you had um obviously you were pregnant at one point <laughs> i was yes <laughs> where should we start i don't know i got pregnant i was 38 mm. and now if I recall sorry to interrupt but if I recall no. correctly you realized you were pregnant on your honeymoon that is correct and you yes. couldn't you couldn't drink in Paris that's right <laughs> or um, have yes. cheese so uh, yes the like the raw cheese because they have a lot of unpasteurized delicious yeah. cheese uh. which I had none of actually I probably did because I think it was three days into our honeymoon <laughs> that I finally took a a pregnancy test. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my my husband Joe and I, we got married uh, December of 2012. And once we decided that we were getting, this is a second marriage for both of us. Um, and wait a we, minute, we just I don't remember this hey part. Yo. Yeah, you were um, married. I I was. I'm I was confused. no longer married when I moved to LA. Uh -huh. I was married in Chicago. Do I know who this person uh, is? Not that I've ever been to Chicago. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, he, he, he was in the improv scene, but uh, I, I don't, I know people have said you're like an honorary Chicago <laughs> because you, I know everyone. you're in the circle. I know. But yes, we were, we were married for about, I think five years. But Joe and I basically, we didn't know if we wanted to get married. We've been living together for a long time. And we started talking about whether we wanted to have a kid. And we actually went to couples therapy to like figure out, do we want to have a kid? If so, do we want to get married and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately decided yes to both. So there was no proposal or anything, but, but rather a very mature discussion about whether we would get married. <laughs> and so we, we had just family come out. We got married, um, right after Christmas in 2012. And as soon as we decided that we were going to do that, we started trying, uh, to get pregnant. And I am an annoying, one of the annoying people who's like, and it happened very quickly. Um, it's, it's not annoying. It's wonderful. It it's good. It I'm is. happy for it, you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
I think we started trying in like October and got married. Turns out I was about two or three weeks pregnant at our wedding, which we did not know. Wow. And I think three or four days after the wedding, we left for Paris on our honeymoon. And I remember taking a pregnancy test the night before just to make sure. In hindsight, I think there was a very faint line. But, but you I weren't looking was for like, it. Exactly. So a few days, I my, was due for my period. A few days into our honeymoon, I was like, I think we got to check on this. Because the first night we were there, we went on a champagne cruise. And I <laughs> drank a bottle of champagne. Like, it was amazing. Drink, eating, like, pate and, you know, foie gras and unpasteurized cheeses and oysters and all these things. So I was, in fact, pregnant. And... Uh, it was very exciting, but also I was very cautious about it. And, you know, it was sort of like part of me was like, we're in Paris. I'm going to buy like a baby outfit here. And I, but I was like, I don't want to jinx it. And, and so I didn't. Anyway, skipping ahead, the, the pregnancy finally saw a doctor when I got back. So to get a doc, I had a, a gynecologist at Cedars who I'd been seeing, who I really liked. But I knew that once I got pregnant, I wanted to find someone. So I live in the valley and I, I wanted to be somewhere closer because yeah. I knew that especially in the towards the end, you're going to the doctor a lot. And I was like, I don't want to drive over the hill every time. And God forbid, like we have to get to the hospital really fast. So I was like, I, I wanted to I had friends who had babies at St. Joe's and Burbank. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So I got a referral and they were basically like, choose one of these. And so I went online and I looked up doctors and found one who had glowing reviews on Yelp and whatever else. And so I was like, okay, great. This isn't going to end well. <laughs> well, it's, I, I think my, it has its ups and downs. <laughs> First of all, I was like surprised at myself for choosing a male doctor uh -huh. that has never been, I, I've always been more comfortable with female doctors across the board. But, you know, again, so we met with him and, and loved him. He was, took so much time with us and had been doing this. You know, he was probably in his 70s at the time, like had been doing this a long time, seemed to really love what he did. The office was nice. And so we felt really great about it. And honestly, everything was great. I loved being pregnant. I, I was like, this is going great. I'm great at it. <laughs> I'm great I at had this. like the mildest of morning sickness. It would be around four o'clock every day. I would kind of feel like I do if I try to read in the car, not oh. while I'm driving, but like, you know, yeah. I can't, I, I have that kind of motion sickness. It was fine. I don't think I once threw up from it. It was just like, oh, I'm kind of uncomfortable. And I, I know you've talked about how like you want the experience of being pregnant. And I, when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, I loved it. I fucking loved being pregnant. It's the most like in tune I've ever been with my body. And mm. I treated it well, except for those first few days in Paris. <laughs> I, I was so happy. I really was. I was nervous and anxious and scared and all of that. But I was so happy to be pregnant. So uh, at about 30-ish weeks, getting into my third trimester, actually a, few, a little bit before that, my scalp was itching like crazy. I, I remember I was still teaching at IO. So I was teaching improv at night. And I remembered this feeling of like, don't like a mosquito bite, like don't start to scratch mm. because once I do, I can't stop. Mm. It was awful. And it sort of felt like I was walking around trying not to let anything like brush against my head or anything. Cause I knew it would just start itching like crazy. Ugh. So I had, this was, um, mid to late June of 2013. Mm -hmm. And I had a hair appointment and I uh, get my hair colored occasionally like four or five times a year, maybe four times a year, then less now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I very loyal to the person who does my hair. And I had it scheduled that I was going to get my, my color touched up. And I emailed her and I was like, you know, my scalp has really been um, itching a lot. So I think I should skip coloring. She's like, okay, I'll, I'll give you a scalp treatment instead and, and we'll cut it and everything. I was like, okay, great. So well, at that point, I was going to the doctor once a month. So I uh -huh. don't know if I'd had an appointment and told my doctor about it at that, at that point. If I did, for sure, his answer was, well, uh, oh, <laughs> side note, my doctor sounded like Hannibal Lecter. Uh -huh. um, so uh -huh. 
if he said anything, it would have been, well, that pregnancy is a very strange time for our bodies. Oh my gosh. Like, yes. So this became sort of the theme of like his response to concerns that I had. So I went to get my hair done and the Lindsay, the woman who continues to do my hair, she's wonderful. You have great hair. She, <laughs> she found a bald patch about the size of like a quarter on the back of my head. Ah. And so she showed it to me and she was like, it's just like in a little alopecia patch. And I was like, oh, okay. And she said, I mean, don't worry. It's probably just going to be this patch here. So she gave me a nice little haircut and a scalp treatment and it was lovely and went home. And this was because I remember going to a party on the 4th of July and like telling people and being like, isn't this awesome? Like, here's my cool pregnancy story now is that I have a patch of hair missing. And I think the itching had gotten better. So now it was just like this cool, like, isn't this weird? Our bodies are weird. Right. And then I started to notice as I would comb my hair after my shower and things like that, more hair than usual coming out in my comb. And I have a lot of hair. So I'm used to some. All over your body. Just covered. (laughs) (laughs) It keeps me warm. It keeps me warm. And here's the great thing. I only lost hair from my head. Nowhere that would have been helpful. Your face is still covered. (laughs) No full beard. Uh, My chest hair still very luxurious. Thank God. So more hair started to come out. Yeah. um, To the point where I was going outside to comb my hair Mm. or like combing it directly over a trash can. And it got to a point where I was like, well, this isn't normal. And so I, I asked my doctor about it at my next appointment. I didn't like make an an appointment at any or anything. I just was like, well, I'll ask. (laughs) And he was like, pregnancy does weird things to the body. And, and truly at the time, my only concern is that it was indicating a bigger problem. Like, uh-huh. is this a sign that something is wrong? My only concern was with the baby. And I was like, is this, could this be my body telling me that something is wrong? And he said no. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And so it kept happening. It just, and I, I, like I say, I have a lot of hair. So it took a long time for it to get to the point where I was like, oh, geez. Yeah. And I was seeing like bald patches. My hairline was receding. I would put my hair like in a ponytail or something. And I was noticing I had to like the elastic, I would have to do it five times instead of three times to like hold the hair in. I took a picture of myself every week of my pregnancy, like a profile picture. And you can see it's somewhere in in the thirties. You can see my hair just thinning. Like you can, you can tell. Yeah. So here's the first part of this. I told no one. Um, Uh virtually no one. That's my biggest regret of all of this. I I just kept it a secret or tried to. I I told the people who I saw more often and, and I had, I kept, you know, I talked to my mom a lot and, uh, she was like, I don't know. I don't know what this is. And my mom, in addition to being my mom, uh, and, and so talking to her is like, is this something you went through when you were pregnant? Blah, blah, blah. She's also a doctor. She's a psychiatrist, but she is a medical doctor. Uh And so she, I I trust her opinion on things like this. So one day she called me and she said, get your thyroid checked. And I was like, I did because I was advanced to maternal age. They did the whole battery of tests, which includes your thyroid. And it was normal. And she said, you need to test it again. And she remembered that both she and my grandmother, my maternal grandmother had experienced thyroid changes, low thyroid. Uh I think one of them, it was after a pregnancy and one of it was going, one of them experienced it going into menopause, but she was like, get it, get it checked because maybe it was just like a nagging thing that she was thinking of. Uh So I called my doctor's office and they were like, you already got your thyroid checked. It's normal. Goodbye. Oh no. (laughs) And And when had you gotten it checked? Early on um, before? Yeah, I think, yeah, sometime in the first trimester, Um, if you're 35 or older, they do a full workup of a lot of different tests. So my, yeah, I, I, I even called my mom back and was like, they said it's fine. And she's but, like, uh, no, you call back. And I'm not 
that type of person, or at least I wasn't. Right. I, I was like, no, the doctor said it's fine, and I trust them. Because my both my parents are doctors, and so I think I have an inherent desire to trust yeah. and doctors and, and know that they know best. Yeah. So I eventually said, like, could you please? And I even said, like, I think I even said, like, oh, well, my mom's thyroid level changed during her pregnancy. <laughs> right. I, don't, and I don't think that's true, but I was yeah. like, and so they're like, okay, okay. And I even said, like, all my hair is falling out. <laughs> yeah. Can we please do this? So they they finally ordered the test. At this point, where's your hair? What's your hair status? So basically, I'm wearing hats, like baseball caps all the time. Uh-huh. Um, I still have hair, but there's patches of scalp that you can see uh, coming through. Yeah. Um, so it's very thin. My, my hairline is is definitely receding. Like I'm not going anywhere without a hat or like, like a bandana on uh-huh. at this point. And are you doing improv um, shows? <laughs> no, I, here's the kicker. Uh, I had, I think end of July, I had kind of retired from teaching, coaching and performing. Uh-huh. And I partially because of the pregnancy and that was sort of the reason I gave, but also I was going to start shooting a movie. <laughs> <gasps> oh my goodness. Uh, so I worked at Second City in Chicago and a fellow Second City alum from uh, years before me, his name's Lance Kinsey. Um, he's best known as being in the Police Academy movies. Oh, hell yeah. Um, he had had come up with a movie that was about girls softball. Uh-huh. That was sort of, it was a lot of improv. Fred Willard was in it. Sam Richardson uh, was yeah. in it with me. A lot of people, Richard Kind was in it. Um, and it, And he wanted me to be in it. And had been talking for years about mm. doing this movie. And it, he actually called me in July, uh, early in July, uh, and asked me about doing it in August. And I was like, well, I, I really want to. Just a heads up, I'm going to be about eight months pregnant at that point. <laughs> and he was like, that's great. Like, he was so supportive. I was like, I totally understand if you don't want me to do it anymore. He's like, why wouldn't I want you to do it? Like, why can't your character be pregnant? Of course, do it. Awesome. Which was so great. Yes. So like a week before production started in August, I emailed and was like, heads up again, I'm losing my hair. And he's like, we'll figure it out. I'll I'll put you in touch with makeup and wardrobe and we'll figure it out. He was so nice. Um, So I was in fact shooting this movie. It was mortifying to me. And I was like, again, I was keeping it so under wraps. And I like the makeup people knew and the wardrobe people knew. Wow. And they were letting me, I would like wear a bandana or fortunately I was playing like a softball coach. Right. So me wearing a hat made perfect sense. Uh-huh. But I, it's so sad to me in hindsight. I mean, I was sad at the time too, but like my hair is so thin under this hat. And I just thought like, I'm fooling everyone. And, and Ooh. I'm looking at it and just like, I wasn't. And, and <laughs> I wish I had just been more open about it because yeah. so much of the stress was just in trying to cover it up and act like it was normal and fine. Yeah. So I was in the car coming back from a shoot day as, as the nurse called me Uh with the results. And she said that it was slightly low and it was so slight, but they put me on, and I think you were on this too, levothyroxine. Uh And that helped regulate my thyroid levels. But my doctor explained that basically whatever cycle of hair loss was happening was already happening. Uh, So even though I started the medication, it wasn't going to stop what was like, the cycle was going to finish. Oh my gosh. Uh, And which at that point, honestly was fine. Cause what was I going to do with like half of my head having hair and half of it? not Like it was, you know? Yeah. 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 And he, he was basically like, you're probably all your hair is going to fall out. And was very flippant about it. So this is when I was like, oh, I don't like this doctor. Yeah. Um, but I was a month away from my due date. And yeah. was like, I'm not going to change doctors. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in it. And what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, eventually, so I finished shooting the movie <laughs> with like four strands of hair left. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then um, on my due date... September 12th. I I went to the doctor. At this point, you're going like every week. I went to the doctor and he is like, you're nowhere near having this baby. 
I feel like my <laughs> impression is getting a little Australian, but um, <laughs> this baby is not going to come. But I like wasn't dilated. She hadn't even dropped. Like there was nothing. And I remember Joe, my husband, came with me to the appointment. And I remember walking out of the office and I burst into tears. And because I just, I just wanted to have the baby because I wanted to see if she was okay. Yeah. Because I was still, I, I was now not trusting my doctor. And right. I was like, he doesn't know. What if whatever this is has affected her? Yeah. And I wanted to see, because his theory was that once I delivered the baby, my hair was going to start to grow back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. But I wanted to know if that was true. So Joe had been, for a couple weeks, had been like, you know, if you ever want me to just shave your head, I'm happy to do it. Like, he was really <laughs> encouraging me to do it. Um, and so we came home from the appointment, and I was like, shave it. Shave it off. Yeah. Uh, so we did. It took about four seconds because there was, I mean, I think I have a picture. I've it's seen a picture. Like, there's like four sprouts of hair on my head. Yeah. Like, I'm basically bald. Yeah. So he shaved off the remaining little tufts. <sighs> Jeez. Which was great and which I wish I'd done much earlier. Yeah. And I we went out and got a wig. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, when you, in California, <laughs> um, I don't know how it is everywhere, but in California, I think when you're at, like around your delivery date, is when you can apply for disability ah, uh, payment. Okay. Yeah. And so I remember my one part of my first disability payment I used to buy a wig. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I wore it like twice. Yeah. Um, my I wore it out to dinner once. So because Valerie she was twelve days late. So my parents came in. My mom and my stepdad came in. We went out to dinner one night and I wore this wig and was like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) But my big takeaway from all of this is like, I wish I had advocated more with my doctor and switched doctors. And it was just like such an indication that he didn't really care enough about, not that he didn't care about, he, he certainly wanted the outcome for me to deliver a healthy baby. Right. But he didn't really care about much along the way in terms of like this incredibly traumatizing thing that was happening because even though I was healthy and I am eternally grateful for that, it is truly horrific to like watch your hair fall out and to, to see yourself looking that way Mm -hmm. and feel like I can't go out and be the like carefree, happy, pregnant woman that I want to be Mm -hmm. because of that. Yeah. Because like I said, I, I loved being pregnant. I loved it so much. And now I just felt gross and weird. And I, I didn't see myself. When and I, you weren't the, talking about it. So you were also feeling isolated, probably. And probably yeah. hiding. Yeah, I absolutely was. I, I emailed a few friends kind of early on with the hair loss. People who I saw enough that I was like, I, I want to let you know. And it was such a fascinating lesson for me in terms of like, it, it taught me how to react to other people <laughs> when they present news like this. Yeah. And I, I, I know I've, I, you've had other guests who've talked about things like this. I, I really remember Jean Villapeak talking about this, about mm. like people's reactions to miscarriages and fertility struggles and, and things like that. Yeah. You just want people to like, listen and not provide solutions or anything, but just be like, well, that sucks. Yeah. Because I, I think I had three friends and this is sort of my like Goldilocks type of thing where like one friend responded with like trying to sympathize being like, Oh me, I lost a lot of hair after my kid was born uh-huh. a lot. Like it was everywhere. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a thing. You know, people tend to lose some hair after their baby is born. But I was like, no, no, this isn't that. Yeah. <laughs> and some person, another friend was like, oh my God, ugh, how awful. Because when you're pregnant, you just feel so disgusting and huge and awful anyway. Uh. How terrible to add this. And I was like, what, what? And then one friend was just like, oh God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. If you want to talk about it, let me know. And I was like, that's it. That's yeah. how I, what I yeah. need. Yeah. 
from somebody yeah. was just to be like, that's shitty. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And and so Valerie's so she was almost two weeks past her due date. She still mm-hmm. wasn't making any progress. My doctor basically was like, We can induce you, but because you're not even dilated in the slightest bit, and because she hasn't traveled down at all, if we induce you, it will probably result in an emergency C-section. And I was like, I don't want that. Now, in hindsight, I don't know. I, this is one of those OBs who like wants, he's he wants to be a surgeon. Like he wants to cut in, you know what I mean? Like, but it was, you know, they don't let you go more than 14 days. Nobody. And I don't think so. I, think I feel like days, my mom, I think all of her babies were like three weeks late. Well, and my sister in 1980 was like three weeks late. Um, yeah. But I, so I think this is a more recent thing. No, I'm because just I saying think, like, it doesn't bode well for me and I don't want to end up with a C-section just because of, know. you know, whatever, just, it, yeah. I'd like to have a vaginal birth if possible. But yeah. like, if that's the trend with my, my mom, I wonder if it would be the same for me. Yeah. Mm. I wonder, cause I do, I do think there's a lot of stuff that kind of mirrors our mom's pregnancies when we mm. get pregnant in yeah. some ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Cause I think after two weeks, the baby actually starts to get smaller or, or something happens. There's more caught. Uh, you probably potential. lose amniotic fluid probably gets, there's less room. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Do I have to look it up? These Ooh. all sound like great answers. <laughs> I know there is a point where they start where they will start to get smaller. I don't know if it's three weeks or or what. I guess this is worth um, looking up. Hey, Nani. Hi. Um, so I was just wondering, weren't most of your babies late term? All five. Okay. How late were they? What determines late term these days? Okay. So let's see. Late term is forty one weeks to forty one weeks and six days. So anything past two weeks overdue is called post-maturity or, or dismaturity. Well, uh, all five of you guys were late uh, in different, different times. The, the longest was the first, and he was uh, nine, uh, nine months, two weeks. Okay, so he, was, he, he, was was bef- he, he wasn't past two weeks. No, he was just two, uh, exactly nine months, two weeks. Cool. Okay. Interesting. Because I can't figure out, I'm trying to figure out if um, doctors insist on a C-section at two weeks past due. Oh, I think so. Like, is there a world in which that doesn't happen? Can you go and maybe your baby's 10 months, 11 months? (laughs) I don't think so. I, yeah. I think, uh, I, I don't think that, I mean, that may be a bizarre circumstance that happens now and then, but I'm pretty sure that a doctor uh, in these days would pull that baby, cut that, t- cut for that baby. <laughs> cut for that I baby. Because the um, amniotic fluid is drying out and, and that's a tough situation for the baby. Research shows that when pregnancy extends between 41 weeks and 41 weeks and 6 days, which is late-term pregnancy, as well as 42 weeks or beyond post-term pregnancy, your baby might be at increased risk of health problems, including being significantly larger than average at birth, which might increase the risk of an operative vaginal delivery, C-section, or getting a shoulder stuck behind your pelvis during delivery, Post-maturity syndrome, which is marked by decreased fat beneath the skin, which would explain why Molly heard that the baby gets smaller because maybe it loses weight uh, if the fat goes away. Uh, A lack of a greasy coating, vernix caseosa, decreased soft downy hair, lanugo, and staining of the amniotic fluid, skin, and umbilical cord by your baby's first bowel movement, the meconium. 
Another risk is low amniotic fluid, oligohydramnios, which can affect your baby's heart rate and compress the umbilical cord during contractions. Late-term and post-term pregnancies can also cause delivery complications such as severe vaginal tears, infection, and postpartum bleeding. But hold on, there's more. This one study says that an adverse fetal environment, including fetal growth restriction, which can occur with post-term birth, has been associated with hypertension and obesity in adulthood. Um, let me see what else here. Another doctor found reduced insulin sensitivity, increased abdominal fat, impaired nighttime blood pressure profile, and higher cholesterol levels in prepubertal children born post-term. Post-term boys were found to be at higher risk of increased weight gain during childhood than term counterparts, leading to a greater incidence of obesity in adolescence. You know, if, if I were giving birth these days, uh, since you guys were all between 10 and 12 pounds, they would be insisting on C-sections. Well, so I've been looking into it a little bit, and the there is there does seem to be a hereditary factor in post-term or, or late-term babies, um, pregnancies and births. I was, according to my mom, I was about 12 pounds. According to Bill, he was about 10 pounds. So there you have that. <laughs> according to a very legit article on CNN about Prince William and Kate Middleton, family history of overdue pregnancies is a stronger predictor than whether or not it is a first-time mother. Here are some other predictors. This is your first pregnancy, you're having a male baby, you're an older mother, obese mother, or, interestingly enough, you're a white mother. So how late was everybody? You don't know. They, nobody yeah. was post-post-term. Everybody was sort of just late term. Yeah, I guess so. Adam was nine months, two weeks for sure. I Look, I was very bad at keeping track. We didn't have uh, pee sticks to pee on. All we had was to go to the doctor and get a rabbit test. That was the only way. A or rabbit test? test? Yeah. What's that? That's what you did. I guess it was injected into the rabbit. Now something happened to the rabbit. What? I'm not kidding. Oh, I saw this on a show. I saw this on it's um the rabbit test. No, That's I. What we all got. I, no, I saw it on um Babylon Berlin. One of them was uh-huh. one of them was trying to get. Oh God, now I've got to look this up. Mm. But that's what they. That's when they say the rabbit died. Oh my god. I, but I'm not sure. I don't know if that's I don't remember. Mom. Oh my goodness. I'm just looking this up. The rabbit test became a widely used bioassay animal-based test to test for pregnancy. While many people assumed that the injected rabbit would die only if the woman was pregnant, in fact, all rabbits used for the test died as they had to be surgically opened in order to examine the ovaries. Oh my goodness. Okay, so urine from a woman who suspected she was pregnant was injected into a female rabbit. If the woman was pregnant, the hormone jolt would cause the rabbit's ovaries to enlarge and develop characteristic surface changes. Unfortunately, the only way to read the test results was to open up the bunny and look around. They call it a bunny. Wow. And this test was developed in 1931 by some dude named Friedman. They used to do it in the 20s with mice. Anyway, moving on. But let me just tell you really quickly. Adam was nine months and two weeks. Robin was, I went in at nine months. I was given uh, Pitocin to bring on the birth. I did eight hours of childless pain birth, and they sent me home. Mm. And I stayed home for another week and a half, maybe two weeks, before I gave birth. Ran, I wasn't counting. I have no idea, but it was way past nine months. And I know okay, he's the one that was 12 pounds, and he was 24 inches long. That's two feet. There's, I could not birth his shoulders. That was a huge deal. And they were going to break his shoulders. They had a little clavicle hammer, and they were going to break his uh, shoulder blade, yeah. yeah. And then you and, you and Timmy, you were probably um, a week plus late in each case. Mm. And you were, both of you were mellower births, because I was, at that point, I knew what to do. Yeah. So Joe, my husband, his first wife mm-hmm. had an emergency, had a similar thing, where they induced her, and she ended up having to have an emergency C-section. That was very traumatic for him, mm-hmm. and I think part of it was he did not want to go through that yeah. again, yeah. and I didn't want to go through it, so we, we scheduled it for the next morning. I was like, let's do this ASAP, and I cry. Oh, I, I didn't want to have a C-section. Hmm. I was so... I, I burst into tears, and I just kept thinking about all the things I've read of like, 
I'm going to have a harder time breastfeeding and, she, you know, she's like this, that, and will we be as bonded and, and all this stuff. Yeah. And I really like, on top of everything else, was kind of mourning how I thought this was going to go. Sure. On the plus side, <laughs> I was like, well, I'll, I'll be wearing one of those surgical caps, <laughs> so that'll cover my bald head. <laughs> <laughs> because part of it, this is so like surface, but there was part of me that's like, I, I want to have pictures right after delivering the baby. Yeah, I yeah. don't want to see myself. Like I'm, I'm going to be, because also in addition to the baldness, I had so much water retention. I oh, looked insane. <laughs> my, my face, and this happens a lot, like where when people are pregnant, sometimes their nose kind of spreads. Oh, uh, really yeah, way. yeah, yeah. My legs, I looked like, I said my legs looked like Weird Al in the fat video. <laughs> like I looked like I had fat makeup on fake, my legs. Fake like, fat. Yeah. It was so comically, I couldn't tie my shoes. Oh my god. I was just like, I was just like a, parade balloon okay. like it was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I just felt wrong but I was very I was upset about getting the c-section yeah. and but I I got it and everything went fine Valerie was 10 pounds three ounces wow yeah uh she'd been cooking for a long time so my doctor here's the p.s. de resistance with my <laughs> my OB is he delivered her and I feel this like tugging and yanking oh, of this trying to get this baby oh, out. It was so weird. But they deliver her, they tell me the weight, and then he just comes over and goes, Aren't you glad you didn't deliver vaginally? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it was so gross. It's like, Ugh. Uh. Oh, that tugging um, is, it's so visceral. I can imagine because you're not feeling it, but you're feeling the tugging. It's like yes. having a tooth pulled, but 10,000 times more. Oh, it was really crazy. It, and in fact, I, it's funny you mentioned having a tooth pulled because whenever I get dental work done where they have to numb me, mm -hmm. um, I don't know what it is. It's it's not like a panic attack, it, but it's um, I, I, I start crying. Because the sensation is so similar to the sensation I felt right as my C-section was happening. Because when they first oh. put the gave me the the med, they give you an epidural. Yeah, I was lying down and I just felt my heart racing to the point where me, the person who like doesn't ever want to question doctors, was yeah. like, "Am I supposed to feel the way I feel right now?" Yeah. And they looked, and my blood pressure had gone way up, and and they adjusted the medication, but I was so like freaked out during that. And the same kind of adrenaline feeling that I get when they use whatever for dental work yeah. kind of emulates that or imitates that. And I, like, I got a root canal and as a, like the dentist left their periodontist left the room and I like burst into tears yeah. because it was the sense memory type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Now, this might be totally, totally, totally wrong, or it might be totally obvious and pointless to even talk about, but I did a little bit of research, and it looks like when you're getting a longer procedure, like a root canal, the dentist will use a lidocaine concoction that includes epinephrine because the epinephrine makes the lidocaine last longer. But what's interesting is when I was looking into epidurals, I read that proper epidural technique includes beginning with a test dose of a more benign medication. For example lidocaine with epinephrine what are you kidding me is this interesting it seemed really interesting when I was discovering it but now reading it back I'm like hmm, I don't know but anyway if during Molly's c-section for her epidural they did the proper technique and they used the epinephrine lidocaine concoction to test and make sure they were doing it correctly then maybe she gets that sense memory feeling at the dentist because they're using a similar concoction I don't know I can't even think about it anymore what do you think okay goodbye so my hair did grow back. <laughs> and in fact, in the hospital, by like day two, I could feel like peach fuzz. Get out. It was just like my doctor predicted. Like once I delivered, things started to kind of normalize. Now I'm still on the thyroid medicine. Uh -huh. I uh, 
don't see that doctor anymore. He has since retired. I don't understand the thyroid stuff and not, not in your, yeah. just in general, like, cause mine was just a yeah. little bit high and yours was just a little low. And why does the same medication make it normal? I don't know. And I'm probably not going to oh. look this one up. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness, I get it now. I'm such a dum-dum. See, what happens is when you get the blood test, they're testing your thyroid-stimulating hormone. If your thyroid-stimulating hormone is high, it means your thyroid levels are down. I can't explain this, so I'm going to read it. When thyroid levels in your body are low, the pituitary gland makes more TSH in order to stimulate the production of more thyroid stuff. When thyroid levels are high, the pituitary gland makes less TSH. My TSH is high, which means that my thyroid levels are low, which is why I take levothyroxine. I get it. And and this is another thing is I wish I had asked more questions and understood better what was going on because they were basically like, oh, here's numbers and abbreviations that we're going to tell you over the phone. And now we're calling in this prescription, but I didn't understand what it meant. Yeah. And that was, I wish I could go back and, and have been a better advocate for myself and have asked more questions, Mm -hmm. um, to, to fully understand what was happening. I will say that, um, with all the stuff that I've done, having to record for the sake of the podcast is really, has always been super helpful for me because I end up re-listening to, everything my doctor said and I, and remembering it. So you don't have to write, you don't have to sit there trying to scribble everything down as they're talking so quickly. But, um, I think recording, uh, doctor's appointments is helpful just for anybody that's that's out there listening, (laughs) just in case anyone's listening. You're so arrogant, thinking that someone might be listening. I know. I mean, we are just having this conversation between the two of us. This is just, we're just having a phone call. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think within three months I had a, a short little pixie cut. Now here's what's funny. Here's the bookend is that that quarter size patch that my, that Lindsay, my, my hair person, I call her my hair person. That can't be right. <laughs> um, that she found that was the last patch to grow back. Interesting. It, it was like, it, isn't that funny? Yeah. Oh, it's also, I'll tell you what, a shaved head is a great new mom, low yeah. maintenance hairstyle. Yeah. So there's that aspect of it. And you got new headshots. I, I, really, I did. I got new head. I, I, like every few months at that point. Yes. You were my best client. <laughs> that was, that was great. That was so great. Uh, you know, what's so funny too, is I think it was, I think it was like January that I came to you to get headshots or maybe even de- late December. So only three months after Valerie was born and, uh, I, I, I look back on those headshots like very fondly because it, it got, I, I got so much love from them, like mm. from people seeing them. I, and I truly, it was the first time in probably six months that I felt, I, I won't go so far saying beautiful, but mm. I felt like better. And you I felt, felt maybe like, uh, you yourself maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like I was not I was a stranger. Yes. Yeah, because I had had short hair before. So I was oh. like, I, I can recognize this person. Okay. And at, at what point did you start like, uh, I, I feel like you showed pictures of yourself on Instagram, didn't did you not? Well, my, I sort of had a gradual process of opening the door to what had happened. So in November, so two months after Valerie was born is sort of when I did a Facebook kind of here's what the deal is Ah. because I wanted to go do a show, an improv show with my team at IO because all the teams were about to get disbanded. So I wrote a whole spiel, put a picture up. People were so supportive and kind. Of course, why wouldn't they be? What was I thinking (laughs) that people were going to be like, disgusting, stay home. Um, (laughs) and, And I had been gradually letting other people know, basically whenever anyone came by to see Valerie, my daughter, then at the time a baby, you know, they would bring food or visit or whatever. You came and took pictures mm-hmm. very early on. <laughs> and uh, I was wearing a hat. And I think you said like, oh, did you shave your head? And so I explained, gave you the very short version of what happened. 
And as friends came, I would sort of give them a heads up of like, hey, P.S., when you see me, this is the deal. Mm. And everyone was just kind of like, uh, okay. And and I another part of the reason I felt like I wanted to kind of let people know is that one of my friends who came to visit posted a picture on Facebook of them visiting and with me and with Valerie. And some friends of mine from back in Chicago thought that maybe I had undergone chemo yeah. because I was clearly bald. Right. And I was like, oh God, I, I have to clarify this. Like, I don't want anybody <gasps> concerned in that way. And and so I, I felt the need. And also I knew every time I told someone, it was like a weight being lifted yeah. once I just let people know. And I eventually did it. And I eventually, I think it took a while for me to be fully ready to show pictures of me in my various states of hair loss. Mm -hmm. Um, because that was tough and it's still looking at those pictures is like, Oh God. And you know, I, I struggle with that because people do often associate hair loss with uh, undergoing chemo and, and things like that. And I'm so lucky that that is not at all what this was like, mm -hmm. yes, there was a minor health implication in terms of my thyroid, but this is basic. This was cosmetic. And I struggled a lot with, well, I don't want to complain about this because I'm healthy or I don't want to make a thing out of this because I'm healthy. And, mm -hmm. and if I'm, I'm just being vain mm -hmm. if I'm upset about my hair coming out. Right. Eventually similar, you know, we were talking <laughs> earlier about like how people are dealing with things right now of like, oh, people are you're so lucky because you have people, loved ones with you, or you're so lucky because you're, you're quarantined by yourself and you don't have to deal with anyone else. Right. And what I thought is like, listen, everyone's allowed to feel how they feel. Yes. And just because someone has it worse than you doesn't mean you can't feel bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's and also not a so, limit to sympathy that people have. But, th but that's exactly it. It's like, there's plenty to go around. Yes. Like we don't, <laughs> it's, it's not a, it, it just because someone is, worse off doesn't mean that you, I can't still have the feelings we're feeling. Yeah. Oh, so eventually I, um, at some point the following year, um, so like 2014, I think I, uh, was finally, I had been writing some stuff. Like I just sort of wrote, I didn't know what it was for, but I kind of wrote something about how this all played out as I was going through it and after the fact and everything like that. And I had a connection to someone in the in the parent section of uh, Huffington Post, and so I connected with them and was like, "I have this thing." So they they published something that I wrote about it, amazing, and included I included <gasps> a picture of me, which wow. ended up anytime I shared it online or anyone else did, I didn't know this was going to be the case, but that was the the like <laughs> thumbnail that uh -huh. came up yeah. is me <laughs> looking like Gollum in a <laughs> in a like maternity dress. <laughs> oh my god. The heartbreaking part of that is that like my family saw it and I'm in my immediate family and I had told them what was going on, but they had never seen it. Yeah. They had never seen what I looked like or anything like that. And they all emailed or called or texted or whatever and was like, I saw this and I burst into tears because I, I feel so bad that you were going through this and didn't really talk about it and that we didn't know the extent of it or know how much it was bothering you because I was so convinced that I needed to like stay positive about it and not yeah. let it, you know, get me down and whatever. And so really like, first of all, I'm so happy to get to talk about this because I want to get the word out. And that's why I ended up, you know, trying to write about it and publish something about it was because when I, they, this is an important part of this whole story, there was not one thing, one bit of information I could find online about this ever happening to anyone before. Nothing. And that that was like rock bottom for me. Because I was hell? like, how can I have something that no one else has had? Yeah. All it would be is like, here's stories of people who lost a lot of hair after their baby was born, which is a thing that that happens. Nothing. And so I was like, well, I have to put information out there so that yeah. if someone does a Google search, they at least get one hit. And here's the thing is my thyroid was not that low. It wasn't like it was so low. So of course this is what happened. I'm on this, the tiniest dose of this medication that, that there is. 
but it was just enough to like make something totally weird happen. Yeah. So I, I, it was really important to me to get that information out. And I've since had, I think three people find me because they've had the same thing happen. Okay. And I was so happy, um, to be able to talk to them and, and say like, here's how it went down for me. This is what happened afterwards. And that has meant the world to me. Yeah. That is Um, great. Cause, and then the other, like, if I had this to do all over again, the main thing I would have done was just advocate for myself a little more with my doctor mm-hmm. and follow my instinct and be like, this isn't clicking right now right. and finding someone else. And the main thing is like, I just would have told more people. Yeah. And every time I listen to your podcast and I know people have said this, like, it's so wonderful, the things that you are bringing into the conversation and talking about and, and all of this stuff. And I think, I feel the same way. Like if I had been able to hear someone talk about, you know, their hair falling out when they were pregnant, it would have meant the world to me. Mm. Um, and, and I wish I had, I could have given myself that when it was happening to just call up some friends and be like, look at this, look at this head, what's happening. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I think, I think of ultimately I would have been able to find the humor and my friends would have helped me with that. And instead my instinct was to be like, don't look at me. Don't look yes. at me. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been awful. Yeah. Well, thank you, Molly. You're very welcome. And I, and I, and I, I, I mean that so sincerely that like, even while I may not be going through what you're going through or what some of your other guests are going through, there's still so much that I am gaining just from hearing people talk about things and talk about their experiences because it just makes you realize how rare it is for someone to go through any part of this process top to bottom and for it to all be like a hundred percent great yeah yeah I don't think I've talked to anybody that's had that experience yet no it doesn't (laughs) happen but people people don't talk about the the problems and the the weird shit that comes up yeah um you know there's some weird shit that we hear a lot about but you know there's a lot of stuff that we we don't talk about and and I think it it can only help us when we do. Yeah. I wonder if I have any listeners going through something like this. I hope they get to hear, hear this. Yeah. But is it that yeah. rare? Well, I, I mean, it, it must be. I can't be believe it wasn't on the internet. I know. It's, it wasn't on the internet. No doctor. I did go to a dermatologist at one point, um, and he had never encountered anything like this before. Wow. Uh I, I tell people about it, doctors and stuff, and they had never heard about it before. Yeah. So it, it must be pretty rare, I guess, because it seems like something you would, it's, it's a big enough deal that you feel like you'd hear about it yeah. if it happened more. Yeah. Um, so if anyone gets an itchy scalp, if you're pregnant, <laughs> look into it. <laughs> or call Molly. Call me and That's I'll right. hook you up. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Molly, thank you so much for doing this so last minute with me and for uh, having oh gosh, a, I was so happy to do it. And for being so fun and a good distraction. Thanks. <laughs> thank you, Molly. I really appreciate you, and, and I'm really happy that you did this for me. <laughs> then we were having some bad connection problems, so we hung up and called each other back just so we could say this. Thank you so much, Molly. Okay, thanks for having me, Molly. Bye. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Molly. Molly's the best. Molly, thank you so much for doing that with me. So last minute. It was exactly what I needed, exactly the kind of tone I needed for the show this week. So I really, really appreciate you doing that for me. Folks, if you want to find Molly online on Twitter, she's at Erdman Molly. Erdman is E-R-D-M-A-N. She's also on Instagram as Molly Erdman. She's got another account called Catalog Living, which is very, very funny. You got to follow it. You can also see her Elizabeth Warren impersonations at Warren Unfiltered. Go for it. I'll also put links to all of these in my show notes, including Val's Animal Pals on YouTube, which you have to watch. And I'll post a link to the article that Molly wrote that was posted in the Huffington Post. Show notes. Check them out. If you want to reach me, it's spermcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail or text me at 323-741-1818 or find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at spermcast. 
You want to support the show? There are so many ways you can do it. You can subscribe, rate, and review. You can share it with your friends. You can join the Patreon for $2 or more a month and have access to all kinds of cool, fun content. Just go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast. And don't forget, if you join at the $5 level or more, you can have access to my mom. And if you hate Patreon or just hate subscribing to things in general and you still want to support the show, then Venmo Molly-Hockey. If you're struggling with anything fertility-related or even remotely fertility-related, I'm here for you as a fertility consultant. You can just email me at spermcast at gmail.com and I'll send you all of my information. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am out of here. Oh, Mom, thanks for thanks for being on the podcast. Adios, ladies and gentlemen. Love you. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay, straight, black, white. Tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by Acast. 